0: have said this more times than I can remember, uh, or count, I should say, I just love worshiping with you guys. I uh, greatly enjoy the Lord's ridiculous faithfulness in just meeting us uh, as we draw near to Him. Um, total transparency, full disclosure this morning. Um, let see if I can find a way to describe this feeling. You know how when your kids start to get older, you're like both their parent and their friend? Anybody know that kind of feeling? And so your kid does something you know as their parent you need to discipline them on. But as their friend, all you can think is like, I want to give them a high five. <laughs> like that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I have these warring parts in my head where I am, I am a worship leader and the lead pastor of this church. And the worship leader and the lead pastor in this church, at the end of that song, we're having a big discussion. The pastor's like, we need to move on. It's time to get to the word and, you know, move it on. And the worship leader's like, you suck. I don't like you. Um, I just want to stay here forever. <laughs> so thank you. I guess I'm just trying to say uh, thank you. It's, it's amazing. You guys are, uh, quite honestly, one of the easiest uh, people, groups, families, bodies to lead in worship. It's easy. You make that job really easy for us. So uh, thank you. Uh, just to throw out, so when you see him next week, you can... Uh, Pat him on the back, tell him congratulations. Our normal guitar player, Chris, he got married yesterday. So um, surprisingly, he didn't want to get up the day after he got married and come to church early in the morning. <laughs> right. Um, and, and this is becoming a pattern. That's why I bring it up. Um, the Lucas's got married the week before last, and they didn't come to church the next day either. So um, uh, you can congratulate uh, Joe and Mindy, And, uh, yeah, anyways, um, just want to let you guys know that so you can be... Uh, congratulating him as you uh, see him next week. Real quick, we're in the midst of the series, Ephesians, uh, Book of Mysteries, digging through verse by verse, line by line, uh, really digging into the Book of Ephesians. And in the midst of this summer, we have been in a series inside that kind of campaign, long journey called Set for Life, where we're looking at Ephesians 4, verses 8 through 16, really diving into those. And um, we're coming to an end. This is actually officially the last message in the series, uh, next week will be kind of our official wrap-up where we're, we're doing something uh, new for us and unique called, uh, we're calling it Talk Back Sunday, September 1st, uh, which is next week in case you're wondering, uh, um, September 1st, where what we're trying to do, what we're inviting you to do, um, we feel like this series is greatly important, and I'm going to get into some nuts and bolts of why here in just a second, but we want to make sure this series really sticks with us as a church um, and really gets, gets into the foundation, gets into our uh, structure. So what I want to do is I want to make sure that we got it. And so what we're going to do is next week, uh, there's guaranteed to be a miracle of the Lord here. I'm going to preach the whole series in 15 to 20 minutes. So for nothing else, you can come watch me fail at that. Um, <laughs> um, we're um, we're going to do a quick like from outer space overview of the whole thing. And zip through that and, and kind of present it and then open it up for questions. You're welcome to start sending in your questions now. In fact, I got a couple of those questions this week. I'm excited about it. You can do that by emailing us right now at Curious, Q-U-R-I-O-U-S. Did I say, what did I say? Tell me how to spell the word. <laughs> they know how to spell it. You know how to spell Curious. I don't, but you do. Um, uh, we are a well-oiled machine around here. Um, I should have written it down. We'll just, it's, it, we'll just edit that out of the podcast. Um, I don't edit the podcast, so that will not be edited out. <laughs> That'll be volume increased. Um, curious, so it's you can You can email those and email any question you have pertaining to this series or anything we touched on at all. Just kind of opening it up. And then also um, through Facebook, either our Facebook page. You can message us, throw it on the wall. It doesn't matter to us. Um, and then the morning of, we'll actually give you guys a, a phone number that you can text in those questions, and we'll field those as much as we possibly can, get through as many of them as we can, because we really want to get um, get this into the foundation. I want to make sure we're not missing anything. It's really easy in this kind of an environment, this kind of setting to, uh, you know, I say something and really in passing and hope that it sinks in and it doesn't, or I forget to say something. So we're going to open that up um, for, for you guys. So next week, great week to invite friends that have questions. I mean, honestly, if we get through the questions of the series and we get other weird questions, I'll do my best to see if I can answer those as well. Um, and if it goes well, who knows? Maybe we'll start making it a more regular thing, try to do it more on a regular basis. So this series now, Set for Life, kind of coming to a landing on this. Um, the reason I think this particular series is so important is it's very unique. And what I mean by that is it is both foundational for us and seasonal. Um, see if I can try to dis- explain this. Um, foundational because really it is one of the first times we're looking at the organic structure of the church. What I mean by that is the church is uh, both an organization. We have a board, we have elders, we have leaders, we have a structure of you know pastors and deacons and, and elders and uh, you know, leaders, and there, there's a, a form and a function to the organization of the church. And a lot of younger people don't like that. It's just the reality of running an organization, running a, a large group of people. There's also, though, a uniqueness in the body of Christ in that we are a body and we are an organism. We are alive, we're moving, we're, we're growing and functioning, and, and there needs to be life there. Well, the reality in that as well is there needs to be a structure there. Your body has a structure under which it functions. If your body didn't have the spinal column and your, your skeletal structure, you would just be a big ball of goo. Right. Well, this this series really looks at these the fivefold ministry—apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers—as that kind of bone structure that the organism of the church grows on, and really, it's it's the foundation of that that we're looking at, and we've got to get that in now. Foundations are amazing to me. Um, I've had this constant reminder of them over the last uh, about month or so. About a month ago, four or five weeks ago, the house across the street. Burned down. It, it caught fire in the middle of the night. I was, My wife and kids were, were in Seattle and I was sleeping and uh, all of a sudden I'm, <laughs> I am I, I don't sleep well when my wife's out of town. I don't understand why. It's just a weird quirk. This is just me being honest and open. I never have. I don't understand it from the moment we got married. If she's not in the house and we're not in the same house, I don't sleep. Literally. Like maybe an hour or two a night. Which makes her really happy. When she comes home I just pass out. She's like, thanks. Um, and so so I, I typically end up sleeping downstairs on the couch, like watching TV, trying to get myself to fall asleep, and I'm, I'm downstairs, and all of a sudden, I think there's teenagers in my yard throwing a party, because I'm just hearing tons of noise right outside the window, and I, I go outside, and uh, there's about 40, 40, 50 people in my front yard at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm a little confused until I look across the street and see fire trucks, and there's flames coming out of the house across the street, and um, and the house caught fire, burned the, the attic, got, got into the basement. Uh, everyone got out safe. There was four adults in the house. They all got out safe, all the pets, everybody, you know, got out safe. So uh, they're, they're good. And, and I've watched over the last month, and we've kind of been watching as you watch the process of what happens when a house catches fire. And first all the life comes out. The people, they leave. They don't go back in. It's, it's ruined. It's, it's, it's done. And then you watch as the memories get pulled out. You see You see picture frames and you see items that probably meant a lot to them that are now burned or scorched or or just filled with smoke and and they throw them out. And you see this pile grow in their their driveway of just really a life, a family's life gets thrown out into the open. And then they start ripping the structure out. They start ripping the the beams and they start ripping out all of these things. And before you know it, there's a a wrecking crew coming in and and with a backhoe demolishing the whole house. And this whole house that used to be filled with life and, and love and a family is gone. It's just completely wiped away. But what's really been profound to me, and I, I, right as we were coming, we're loading up the car, and I'm running away from us loading up the car this morning with my phone to take pictures. Um, you can kind of see that. that that's, that's the driveway, and there's no house anymore. It's just gone. It's not there. And what I find really fascinating, though, is this next picture, and hopefully you can see it, That's the foundation. It's still there. The house is gone. The memories are gone. The life is gone. But the foundation still sits there. I don't mean this to sound as morbid as it's about to sound. I believe that what we're learning right now, the things that we are grabbing a hold of, even if this church shuts down, fails, we shut it down and it ceases to exist, the foundation that's getting built in your life can move on even when the house is gone. So it's important. This is this is good, real stuff. You know that that life happens, things happen. Our existence as a church, just to be honest with you, is not guaranteed. We don't get to keep existing just because we exist currently. Now I'm not saying that so you get all insecure. Um, I have no plan, no backup plan. I don't have like a job waiting for me somewhere else at another church that like, hey, if this fails, you can come here and you know do that. No, this is it. But the reality is the foundation that we're laying right now will exist even if we have to do a total restructure. The foundation's still the same. It's foundational. This series is foundational, but I also believe it's it's very seasonal and timely. Anybody ever else go up to like to go up to Green Bluff and pick fresh fruit? There's just something that ruins you once you do that, right? Like I'm thankful for the technology that we have of like greenhouses and cold storage so we can have, you know, apples year round. But like middle of the winter, apples suck. Like, they're awful when you've had a, when you've, like, picked the apple, you don't pick this way, you lift and twist. like, that's what I've learned at Green Bluff, you do this. That's not Karate Kid, that's picking apples. Um, that you, you're supposed to, and once you've had that, to try to go back to, like, an apple that was picked before it was ripe and sat in a cold room until it became mush, and you're supposed, to, it's just, like, not as good. There's, so It's still there, there's still nutrients in it, there's still, like, life in that, but it's not, it's not the same, and I think... This series, as it could be taught at any time, it has this seasonal element to it for us as a church. And so um, I think it's very, very, very important that we grab a hold of it. It's seasonal for us because this is right in line with, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't realize this when we started the series, but it is right in line with what God has, has spoken to us for this year. If you weren't with us at the beginning of the year, in January, God spoke to us very clearly as a people that he had a word for us for this season. Um, and that word was growth, that we were to grow. Now, I, uh, kind of went to the Lord, okay, that, that's great, what do you mean? Can I get a little bit more info on what is growth? More butts in the seats? Uh, you know, what are we talking about? And and he gave us four specific areas that he was kind of beating the drum of growth in for us and calling us to join with him and calling us to be a part of and calling us to partner with him. And in those four areas, um. We're spiritually growing. We needed to grow individually, personally, spiritually. There was areas in each of our lives that needed to increase their surrenderedness to Him. He also called us to, um, to grow numerically, to reach our city to God. It's part of why we did the big Easter service that we did this year, and reaching out. It's part of why we're we're, we're ramping up as we go back into fall, more and more outreach this year, and continuing it. He also called us to grow relationally, getting to know one another that we weren't supposed to just be random people all just kind of doing life individually and then just coming together on Sunday mornings, but that we would we should do life together. We should lay down our lives for one another. And then finally he called us to grow financially, that we needed to become self-sufficient and not no longer be uh, an infant church that looked at somebody else to pay their bills, but to pay our own bills. And so we have kind of been moving in that direction as, as we look at this passage, and I'm saying all this up front instead of reading the verses first, because I want you to kind of have that in your brain. We're going to we're going to dissect this a little bit this morning uh, as it relates to that series that we did at the beginning of the year called New Year's Resolution, uh, increasing the resolution, the clarity with which we see. Uh, we're going to kind of look at that, but what I don't want to do is, is to over over rip apart this verse and try to make connections that aren't there. I think the beauty of this is that it's there organically, and if we were to chop it apart and chop it to bits and try to put everything in a little box, it ceases to be the beautiful picture of what that organically looks like, and I don't want to do that. So I want, I want us to kind of have those four areas, spiritual, numeric, relational, and financial growth as we kind of look at these verses together and, and dive into them. So if you have your Bibles, if you could go to Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 8, Ephesians 4, 8, and I'm going to ask, can we all stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Uh, we don't do this every week. I don't like to be weird and religious about it, but I think sometimes it's good for us to just stop and go. What we're about to hear is not the opinions of man, it's not the ideas of uh, shepherds that lived you know, thousands of years ago and didn't really have a good education and just kind of came up with stuff. But this is the living, active, breathing Word of God that the Bible tells us can cut between our thoughts and our spirit. that can divide up us from God and show us His will for us. And so we want to look at these together this morning. Ephesians 4 verse 8 from the English Standard Version. It says, Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, speaking of Jesus, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunningness, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When, every, when each part rather is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness to speak to us. We thank you for the, the anchor and the rock and the true and sure foundation that you are Jesus as the Word. God, we know that as as we read those words, those words aren't just uh, letters on a page. They're not even just passages in your Word, but your Word tells us that you are the Word. Jesus, you are the Word to us. So as we read your Word, we are interacting with touching and, and grabbing a hold of you And so we ask that as we do that this morning, you would breathe life upon those words, breathe life upon that interaction. Let us feel you as we grab a hold of your word this morning. Let it not just be some repetitive, redundant thing that we do out of religious necessity because we're at church and this is what we do, but God, rather let us, let us realize the holiness and the sacredness and the gravity of interacting with you as the word. So God, we glorify you, we magnify you, we ask that you make us doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. We're going to jump in. We've got a lot to dig through this morning and I don't want to keep us uh, too long. So what I want to a little bit do is just help us see very, very quickly, if you need a title for this morning's message, we're calling it A Season for Foundations. What I want to try to do, the task I feel the Lord's given me, is to try to help without, again, over-analyzing or over-dissecting this passage, really show us how in this, if we grab a hold of this and embrace what God is calling us to and what He's teaching us, there is a natural byproduct that will happen of fulfilling the now Word of God for us as a church. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is that... that. In Christ, it's not so much in the gospel, in the kingdom, it's not so much about, well, God's called us to do this, so now what do we need to do to make this happen? What steps do we need to take to grow spiritually? What steps do we need to take to grow uh, numerically, relationally, financially? What, what practical things? I, we'll, we'll touch on some practicalness, but but I think what the beauty that I saw in this passage as I looked over it this week was really realizing that this is this amazing picture of how organic this is supposed to be, how natural and And effortless, really, if if I can use that word, um, the the coming to pass of the word that God has spoken to us ought to be. So, I think the easiest one to see as we look at this passage is really the spiritual growth. That God has called us to spiritually grow. I don't think really anybody would argue that God does not long to leave you in the state in which he found you. I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I don't want to be left in the state in which God found me. There are things in my life, as much as I drive you nuts, I drive myself more nuts because I don't ever get to not be with me. Imagine having to live with me all the time. Yeah. I don't get to take vacation from me. I have to always, and I am sick of me. Like, I, I don't like me. I'm so happy that the Lord says, I, I receive you just as you are. I don't leave you just as you are. When I came to Christ, I came broken, busted, and disgusted, and ready for something to shift and change. That's why I am so happy that grace that forgives me is also grace that frees me. I don't have to go back for some second kind of of thing to happen. The salvation that secured my eternal destiny has also secured for me the working of Christ in me so that I can no longer have to live with the same repetitive cycles in my life over and over and over again, but I can find, find true and genuine freedom from it. Spiritual growth is something we're called to do. I love the way that Paul here writes about it. He says we're not to be tossed, we're not to be carried away, we're not to be deceived. How many of us know that's something, if you're alive, those things are constantly happening. You're being tossed. The, 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 the natural course of life comes and tries to throw you off the course that God has called you to. There's, there's winds and there's waves and there's stuff. If you have never experienced that moment where a wave slams into the side of the ship that is your life and throws you, just keep living. It's bound to happen. And here's the great thing. Um, one of my least favorite promises from the Lord, Jesus says Himself, it's in red in my Bible, in the world you will have trouble. Couldn't he say like peace, happiness? He promises us his peace in the midst of those storms. He says, in the world you will have trouble, but I'm leaving you my peace. The peace that held Christ on point as he stared down the cross and said, I don't want to do this, Father, but not my will but yours. I, I, I'm being hit by waves. I'm being buffeted on every side. My friends are abandoning me. The guys I've spent all this time trying to raise up and grow up are completely immature and morons, and they're about to deny me. No one's going to be around, but yet not my will, but yours be done. That spiritual maturity, that spiritual growth. It's not, it's not the absence of problems. Come on, it's not the absence of issues. It's not, well, if I was just spiritual enough, I wouldn't have any waves anymore. But it's growing to a place of stability where I can stay on point even as waves come at me. I can redirect even as things hit me. I've watched us as a church do this as we lost the building that we'd spent a year pouring every dime of our savings and every, every ounce of, of, of resources and finances I could muster as I begged friends for money (laughs) and begged other churches to support us and all of a sudden in literally a minute have that building taken away from us and it would have been easy to say well maybe this isn't the season to grow maybe this isn't the season to be reaching out maybe it was a few weeks before Easter we had all this momentum planned toward it and and we're looking and going like should we cancel our Easter outreach because like we're going to have a service and we have that rented but we don't have a place for them the next week (laughs) come to our church tell you where it is later. I watched this as we rallied together and said, no, the the vision doesn't change. We have to redirect. We have to course correct. We have a little bit of work ahead of us, but we're staying on point. That's maturity. It's not the lack of problems. It's it's moving forward. It's, It's being stable in the midst of the wind and the waves. We see in verse 14 a great picture of this. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness, by craftiness and deceitful plotting. We're to grow up, it says, we're to to, to fill up the measure and the stature and the fullness of Jesus. That's our goal. If you're here and you're like, you know what, I don't think the spiritual maturity thing applies to me. I think I'm kind of, I'm good. I've grown spiritually enough. Maybe you're sitting around looking around the room and like, well, I'm more spiritual than everybody else in here, so I'm, I'm good. Far more holy than they are. I sin way less. Well, maybe that's true. I'm not even going to argue with you. Maybe you're completely right. Maybe you're ten times more spiritual, more holy, sacred, and filled with Jesus than everybody in this room. But until you attain to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, you have some work to do. Jesus is the goal. Billy Graham is not the goal. Right? I mean, like some other dude hanging out in this room is not your measuring rod for which you gauge your spiritual maturity. The, the, the goal, the target in spiritual growth is that we be Jesus. Many people are glad they have a few more years left on the earth to keep working on that. <laughs> Next thing we see is we're called to grow relationally. That as we grow spiritually, that shouldn't be something that pulls us away from one another, but should be something that pulls us to one another. I love the way it says this in, in verse 15, 15. I think this is, if, if I could encapsulate what true, genuine, doing life together, laying down our lives for one another looks like, what true relationship inside the body of Christ. I don't know off the top of my head right now a better verse. 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are a body. We're not individuals any longer. We're not We're not separated. You, know, you are not an island. You are not some separated individual entity pulled off in a way by yourself. We are called to be a body. If you're looking for a church to sneak in after the first song of worship is done and run out once second worship starts, this is not the church for you. We will hunt you down. I've actually had people where we where we call our visitors a lot and try to follow up with them. And, and I... Continue to call them, and I actually had one person finally like answer the phone. I'd left like four or five messages over the course of a couple of weeks, and finally answered their phone. And they were like, "What? Why? Why do you keep calling me? I haven't come back. Did you not get the hint? Like, I just want to make sure that you're loved and taken care of. I have another church. Great. That's awesome. I'm glad. Stay plugged in. Serve the mission. Submit to the vision. We're not gonna let people just sneak in and out. We're a body. We are called to love one another and serve one another and grow relationally. Speak the truth in love one to another. Come on, somebody. Next thing the Lord called us to do at the beginning of this year was to to grow numerically. And I just wanna bluntly say this right now. We don't make any excuses for that. If you're expecting right now for me to like justify that, I'm not going to. The Great Commission was given to the church to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and to make disciples. That's our job. That's, our, that's what we're called to do. That's our mission. That's our purpose. God didn't just leave us here so we could grow personally and just let the world go to hell in a handbasket. There are people, this is the funny thing, I, I, I talk to, to people and they go, yeah, I'm really passionate about missions. I'm really passionate about evangelism because I don't want people to go to hell. And, and, and that's a great heart, but the reality is if you interact with people who don't know Jesus, they're living in one oftentimes right now. I care about people's eternal state, but I also care about how people are living right here and right now. And the reality is we can feed them and we can clothe them, but if we don't help them see the reality of their spiritual condition and connect with Jesus, that food will eventually wear out and they'll be hungry again. Those clothes will break down and they'll need clothes again. But Jesus is the one who sticks closer than a brother. But we are called to reach this city. We are called to grow in America. You can say, well, there's other churches in town and they're reaching people and amen. Yes, they are. We've got relationship with them. Two more meet in this building. We, we love other churches, but we're not going to, to nullify our responsibility to reach people just because there's other churches that exist in this town. If you're looking for a church that you can just come and enjoy an experience and leave and not be challenged to reach out and to influence the sphere that God has given you and those people around you, again, I love you, but this is probably not the right church for you. But I like the loud worship and you're funny looking. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean this is your church. This is all the things you're not supposed to say, just so you know. It's a church plant. Um, the reality is we're called to reach this city. We're called to, to reach out, to step out. How many times does it talk about in here? Growth, growth, growth. Verse 16 especially, from whom the whole body joined and held together by, which, by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Look it up in the Greek. You're welcome to do it. That means numbers. (laughs) I go, I think it means spiritual. No, it doesn't. It means literally the words used here in this, I was fascinated as I looked at them this week. I hadn't really looked at the whole passage. I I typically read words or verses in in Greek, and I looked at the whole passage this past week, and it's amazing how many uh, construction words Paul uses here. He literally is talking about like building up a house. He uses words for frame and, and foundation as he's talking about building but there's this one word that he uses right here where he's literally the kind of, the, the rhythm of it is saying this, that a, that a house is not really built and finished building till there's people living in it. Look, we can, we can get down the, the structure and find where apostles do this and prophets do this and we grow here and we have elders and we have deacons and we have this and that and the other. we have this great structure. But how many of you know this church isn't built if there's not people living and having life and growing in it? And I don't know about you, but I, I, I have the most fun when my house is crammed full of people, it's loud and noisy, and then people help clean up after. That's the most fun for me. What? Called to grow numerically. There are people in this city that we're called to reach. And then I save this one for the end just to make you all cringe. We're called to grow financially. Um, and I'm not going to lie, there is no direct, if you, you're looking through it and you're like, what word is he going to show us that means money? There's not one in the passage. Okay, there's no there's no direct correlation here to financial giving in this passage, and I'm not going to try to claim that there is. I will say this though. I'm going to say two things about this, and then we're going to land this plane. And there's a response I feel the Lord is calling us to. Um, first off, practically, okay, can we are we allowed to talk about practical matters in church? Can I do that from from the bar table? We don't have a pulpit. <laughs> It costs money to rent this place. The the, the wonderful, amazing family that owns it uh, rents it to us for retardedly too cheap, but it still costs money to rent the place. Okay, there's there's just practical financial needs that the church has, and I for one don't want to have to constantly be asking another church to pay our bills. Okay, um, we we ought to grow up. It says, and. I think that practically speaking, we need to realize that, hey, if we like this place and we like what's going on here, there's a real easy way to keep it going. And that's to help as whatever the Lord would lay in our hearts and to the extent at which we have the ability to financially partner with what God is doing here. I hate that word, financially partner with, because it just sounds like TBN. Um, can I say that? <laughs> I'm going to get emails. Um, But we can come along with what the Lord is doing and help in that area. And listen to me, the the problem, the reason I hate talking about this is because the people who are already giving, they hear this and like, yeah, and everyone else is like, "Mm, whatever. And the people who are giving feel like they should give more. And that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to just let us all know and, and be frank and honest that we need to grow financially as a church. It's just the reality of the situation. The one thing I do want to kind of point out here from the passage, this word children, Verse 14, that we may no longer be children. That word child literally means infant or a toddler. It's the Greek word for like a toddler, an infant. And it literally is talking about like it would be used for somebody who isn't quite of age yet to do something. There's there's limits put on that person. You know, how many like a 13-year-old can't drive a car. They're 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 a child still in that area. 17 year old 18 year old, night year old can't drink alcohol they're not of age yet the word child here really could be also translated not of age well i believe i'm just going to be honest i believe there's a spiritual principle at work here that that what paul's maybe hinting at here for us okay is that you understand what i'm doing there that that for us as we read that i believe there's something spiritually that god wants to do through us that until we start acting like an adult church not looking to somebody else to pay our bills is not going to happen. Now, here's where I try to back us up real fast. I believe if we're growing spiritually, then the natural byproduct of that is to want to do life with other believers. I think as the world sees the church being the church and loving one another and caring about one another and, and we're not just a bunch of strangers that come and oddly stare at a screen and sing songs together and then sit quietly while some dude talks but they see a genuine, alive, living organism growing and loving one another. That's attractive to people and numerically people want to be a part of something like that because that's what Jesus designed. That's what Jesus prayed for us as he lived his last moments in his earthly life here. He's praying for us to be one because as we are one in John, he says the world will see it and they'll know that that's his people. I think the world looks at the church a lot of times when it's disconnected and completely and utterly broken apart, And they look at the church and they say, there may be a God and he may be real, but that's not him. But when the body is is, is growing spiritually, connecting relationally, I think numeric growth is just a natural, normal byproduct of that. It's attractive to people. You want to tell people about what God's doing and what he's doing through your connection with this body known as Sozo. I've actually bumped into some people who knew some other people that are connected to this church and and it happened to, it came up in conversation that my wife and I the pastor of the church. Oh, so, so, oh, I've got a friend who goes there. He won't stop shutting up about it. He just keeps saying this and this, and this. It's like, that's normal. That's, that's what it should be like. It shouldn't be this, okay, well, I have to invite six people this week to come to church with me. Hope this isn't as awkward as it's gonna be. Like, <laughs> I, I never find it awkward at all to ask people over for dinner for steak and lobster. Because I love it, right? I enjoy it. If I was like, "Hey, you want to come to my house? We're going to have Brussels sprouts and liver." No, not so much. I didn't think so. Like, when there's life in a place, it's easy to be excited about it. So, so as we grow spiritually, we're connected relationally. Numeric growth is a natural byproduct of that. Can you see this next one coming? As more people are here sharing the burden financially, we will be able to, you know, keep the lights on and keep being able to meet here and do all those things that need to happen. You know, practically speaking, do you see the organic connection of these things? We look at it, how are we going to grow spiritual? How are we going to. Look, if we just embrace what Christ is doing in our lives, in our hearts right now, the rest of them just kind of fall over as dominoes yeah. as we continue to surrender and as we continue to, to bow the knee to Him in those areas. I think this all starts, honestly, though, for us. We're going to end here with the, the, the beginning, the, the, the understanding that the fulfillment of this vision, can we use that word of of growth in these four areas is completely and utterly dependent on all of us doing our part. That that this is not something that we sit back and go, man, that's a great vision. I hope somebody grabs a hold of it and gets that done. (laughs) It's not the way it works. There's kind of two groups of people that typically hear this. The one one group says I hope somebody rises up and champions that vision and makes it happen. It's gonna be fun to watch. (laughs) Hear this from people sometimes that are, are outside of Spokane. They'll say, it's really, it's really fun getting to watch God move in Sozo. We follow you guys on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Blah, blah, blah. It's really fun to see it all happening. I think that's great, and I'm glad that they think it's fun to watch, but I, I, I want to tell them I don't because it would just be horrible. And I'm like, you have the worst seat ever. It's amazing to sit in the midst of it and watch it happen and be a part of it happening. There's a unique privilege that we have here to not watch it happen, but to make it happen. It's dependent upon all of us grabbing a hold of this and, and taking this up as our mission, not the mission. And that starts, really, with us abandoning the idea that we can be true followers of Christ and be alone. The number one lie, I'm going to be honest with you, that I hear born again, redeemed, saved Christians in America say is I love Jesus. But I don't need the church. That is a prof- please hear me. That is not biblical, and it's a profoundly new idea. A couple hundred years ago, uh, during the Reformation, there was a teaching in the Catholic Church, and please hear me. It's not. It's not. It was taken out of context and applied wrong. But this was the doctrine. This was the saying that, that apart from the church, there is no salvation. Now, that was applied in order to try to manipulate people and hold them. You have to keep paying your tithes. You have to keep doing all these things to stay a good member of the church. But the foundation of it is actually very biblical. If Jesus has a body and to be joined with him is where you find salvation and you try to disconnect from the body, how are you saved? Because salvation, please remember, is not just some assurance and a ticket that you get to go to heaven, but it's the active working of Christ in your life presently. And that is greatly diminished, if not totally hindered, when you are disconnected from the body. We need to grab a hold of this idea that, you know what? I cannot be separated from other believers and be a true follower of Christ. I can't can't abandon it. I can't forsake gathering together. And I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. Are you hearing me? I'm saying connecting relationally. Yeah, it's awkward. It's weird. Um, But it's what we're called to do. I don't always like it. But it's what we're called to do. Next thing I think we need to kind of realize is this. Talked about the group that kind of says, I hope somebody grabs a hold of that vision and makes it happen. There's another group that says, I will be the person that grabs a hold of it and I will make it happen. This is the one I struggle with, let me be honest. And here's what we need to realize. This is what I need to realize. The body of Christ already has its superstar and it's not me. And it's not you. It's all about Jesus. He's the one that's going to make this happen. and It's about surrendering to him and surrendering to one another and realizing that, you know what, I can do my part and that's it. No, that's not true. I can do my part and I can encourage you to do yours. And that's it. I can't do your part any more than you can do mine. So I think this morning what the Lord would call us to do is to kind of settle in our hearts once and for all that we need one another. Settle in our hearts that we need to be connected one to another. And settle in our hearts that it's his way, not our way. And that's a big deal. That's something really easy to say. It's even really easy to start. It's really hard to keep going. The verse I kind of built the set list around this morning for worship, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where it says that we ought to Come to the Lord and offer our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. And this is our spiritual act of worship. Living sacrifices have a unique thing where they can climb off the altar. That's the problem with with this response that I feel called to call us to this morning is that it's going to be easy for us to respond now and very hard 10 minutes after to keep going and to keep doing. And I don't have a clever way to remind us and I don't have a clever thing to help us with because I don't think there is one. I think it's just something that we have to make the decision and rest on the grace of Jesus to help us continue in. So we're gonna enter back into worship and I'm gonna call us to stand to our feet, to press back into him and to respond to him individually. I think this is something that we need to corporately do individually. Does that make sense? We need to do it amongst one another, but it's not something somebody else can do for you. So let's stand to our feet. We open up also, as we do every week, the table of the Lord in communion to partake together. I think this morning, the thing that I I would like us to kind of meditate upon as we come forward as you feel led in your own timing is to remember that his body was broken on the cross for us, but yet we see as he was raised to life, his body was united again body was put back together. That your salvation came from the breaking apart of the body, but the continuation of salvation, the final working of the sanctification and the working of the Lord in your life happens as the body is put together. As you take a piece of the body, remember that that, that is you. That, that, that could be seen as the, the part that was broken for you, but that part has a place in a greater functioning body. Amen? And let's settle in our hearts this morning Let's respond this morning to what the Lord is calling us to individually. This table, by the way, communion is open to all who've put their faith in Jesus. You don't have to have completed a class, signed a document, or be an official member of this church. If you have been redeemed by Jesus, we invite you to partake as you feel led. We take by an older method known as antiction, where you take a piece, dip it into the cup, and partake individually. We leave that to you timing-wise as we enter back into second worship. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. God, your faithfulness in in redeeming us, your faithfulness in drawing us to you, and your faithfulness in giving us a reason, a purpose, a job, a responsibility in your vision, in your purpose, in your plans in the earth today. God, I I am truly and utterly humbled at the thought that you would allow us to play a part in what you're doing in the earth. God, that despite our limitations, despite our weaknesses, despite our our utter and total inability, that you still say that you want us to be a part of what you're doing. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, and you would speak to us of your love, of your grace, but God, also that you would speak to us of what you would call us to do as it pertains to this vision that you have for this house. God, that we would respond to you. God, not in not in religion, not in not in some weird sense of guilt. But God, truly and fully. We would embrace what it is that you would call us to do. God, speak to us in this moment. Let us put our shoulder to what it is you're doing in the place in which you're doing it. Let us see you lifted high, glorified, magnified, and made much of. Not through our own desires and efforts, but God, through our surrendered lives to you, that you might receive all the glory and the honor and the praise.